When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome, everyone. Hope everyone is having a great week. If you are new to Sustainable Success, you found us here at the Voice America Influencers Channel. We also encourage those that are new to check us out on our Facebook page at Sustainable Success 2017, where we have many of our great guests that have joined uh, to gather insights as to how they can scale their businesses to the next level. Again, we are being, uh, uh, we have a great guest today, but before we introduce our guest, our show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct. Uh, this is an organization that builds a, brings together people that were either from college or universities, maybe former employers, or anywhere where there would be an alumni present where you can get together in, in community centers to share memories, share experiences, and create new partnerships, perhaps looking for your next job. Check them out at my alumnidirect.com. That's myalumnidirect.com. Today, uh, we have a great guest. And before I introduce him, his name is uh, Jamie Mustard. We're going to be talking about the art and science of standing out. And again, this is from his book. And you're going to be, he's going to be dropping nuggets today here for you. So uh, a little bit about Jamie. So Jamie is an expert on perception in the physical world a strategic multimedia consultant, art design and product futurist, conceptual artist and iconist. He has codified the primal laws of what makes anything iconic, the anatomy of what causes any idea, art or message to stand out and take hold in the human mind across any medium. His passion is to teach the science of art, of the obviousness, helping professionals, change agents, artists and businesses confidentially and, we will, and at will make their messages, brands, and ideas stand out to their desired audiences, breaking through drag from dilution that we all know we are all up against. He's a graduate of the London School of Economics. Jamie's work is an explanation of the economics of attention based upon the primal laws of human perception. Jamie's iconist work has spanned some of the world's leading companies, technologies, artists, designers, creatives, nonprofits, and the globe, companies like Cisco, Intel, Adidas, and Symantec. And without further ado, we welcome Jamie Mustard to the show. Jamie, how are you doing today? I am well. Thank you. Thank you for the very kind intro. Great. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. We are so happy. So when we, you know, there's so much stuff going on out there. We've had a crazy past year, Jamie, with COVID and you know, and, you know, with social media and all the things going on, you know, people are, you know, are always looking for ways to stand out. And can we talk a little bit about before standing out, what are some of the things why people or businesses or anything are not standing out properly? Well, it's a great question. And, I, and I'll, I'll use this kind of as a simple metaphor. Say you were a baker in a small town in Connecticut in 1950. And you kind of walked, you just were living your daily life. You went to work, you came home, you watched TV. Uh, you were exposed to about 250 advertising messages a day. Okay. By 1970, that was 500 advertising messages a day. 
by the late 90s, there was an estimate of that you were, we were all exposed to about five to 7,000 advertising messages a day. That was the last time anyone seriously studied it. However, there have been post-social media thought experiments that suggest we're exposed to about 10 to 15,000 advertising messages a day between social media, Google, all, uh, every medium you can imagine, right? The human brain couldn't process a thousand. So we now as individuals, if I'm a baker in, in, in a small town in 1950s Connecticut, I might be competing with two or three other bakers in my town. Now you can ship baked goods all over the country. I might be competing with 1,000 bakers. Mm. Everything is like this now. And this is what I call dilution. As this information overload has gotten bigger, you have gotten smaller. And I guarantee you, you can feel it. It comes with an angst. There's actually psychological manifestations that come along with it, which I could, we could talk about if you want to go there. Yes, please. Please expand on that. Please. <laughs> okay. There was a professor, who, a guy named Barry Schwartz. He's a professor of social theory and a psychologist. He's at Skidmore University. And in 2004, he came out with a book called The Paradox of Choice, where he talks about the mental manifestations of choice overload. When we have too much choice, we actually have anxiety about choosing the wrong thing. We'll, we'll be paralyzed. We, mo we won't make a choice at all. When we do make a choice, we think about the other thing we could have chosen, so we're dissatisfied with our choice. And ultimately, we can be depressed about choice, right? So the pe all your, your customers, the people you're trying to reach, they have choice fatigue. Um, but what I've also found with my clients over the last 15 years is that the, those same man mental manifestations are the exact same mental manifestations that one has when one feels that they have something great to offer and they can't get the world to listen. If I don't think the world's going to listen, but I know if they would just listen, if I could just have that 10 minutes, everyone would want me, but I don't think I can get it because I haven't been able to, um, I will be paralyzed. I won't try to get noticed. I won't try to stand out at all because I don't think I will. I'll have anxiety about standing out. I'll be dissatisfied with my life because I'm not standing out and ultimately depressed about standing out. And this isn't with just startup companies and entrepreneurs. I mean, I talk to... Uh, the CEOs of billion-dollar companies that are highly profitable, that feel that they're experiencing a tremendous amount of drag because, you know, they have an institutional success, but they feel like they thought, God, I'd have way more market share if our customers were really listening and paying attention to us. Uh, attention, uh, human attention is the most valuable uh, commodity of our time. Yeah, that's true. So what, I mean, so going forward, what I mean, like you said, because everything now is, you know, it, it's like an even playing field now, like even especially now with some of the bigger companies. I mean, anybody can be playing on an, e, you know, with the, with the technologies out there. What are some of the things that you recommend right now for, let's say get, we were looking yeah. at a smaller company. Go ahead. Can I give one more dilution example before? Absolutely. I there was, just to really give the scope of this, right? There was a woman in the, in the late 90s named Linda Stone who was doing research for Microsoft and Apple. And in 1998, she coined the term continuous partial attention. I just want to humanize this, right? Uh, to describe how we were being hit with so much media. In 1998, this is pre the, the internet was barely getting going, pre-social media, that we were all being hit with so much um, advertising, so much messaging, that we were only partially paying attention now, continuous partial attention. So we're, we're, there's lots of people that write about this. What I'm concerned with, what I think, what, what, where my approach might be a little bit different is I'm less concerned with the messaging overload 
and more concerned with what is it doing to the human being that's trying to get attention, which is your audience, right? So I just want to put a human face on that. Um, but uh, so what the question was, what are things we can do to grab attention, right? Um, well, in my book, I have these, uh, I talk about these primary laws of what cause that explain why we stop and pay attention to one thing and we discard another. There's actually a reason. So, and the first thing you have to understand before I kind of explain it is this. Anything that you can't, uh, that someone can't understand in their, anything busy in a world overloaded with content gets instantly discarded. So when someone lands on your landing page, if they don't understand who you are and why, why you're of some benefit to them in their lizard brain, literally before they have a chance to think in a microsecond, you probably have lost them and you have probably lost them forever. So what I teach in my book, which is full of pop culture stories and examples, is very readable. It's, um, it's a living example of its own message is I, I talk about this concept. Now, this is going to sound way more heady than it is. It's a very simple concept. But I talk about this concept, a thing I call a block. A block is just a big, bold, monolithic, singular thing, like a warning label or a road sign that causes us, that gives us an instant pause and causes us to pay attention. And so what I teach in my book is there's billions and billions of road signs and warning labels. And, the, and when it comes to life and death, we always use this concept of creating pause to grab attention, right? Uh, so, and there, what, there's billions of these road signs and these warning labels, and they always work. So the question is, is there something about a road sign or a warning label in terms of its anatomy that you can apply to your business that will cause someone to stop and give you that moment of attention to see the value of your offering every time and with predictability? And that's, what, that's basically what I teach. That's the work that I do for my clients. And the answer is yes. So there's a reason something becomes iconic in the mind, okay? And that, um, and, you know, there's a reason we call a, a Coke a Coke and a Kleenex a Kleenex. And mostly it's time and accident, okay? But if you understand the rules of how blocks work, and all a block is, is a monolithic thing that you're going to repeat over and over. I can take something, anything in this conversation right now, uh, Chris, and I could take a monolithic thing that you've never heard of before, and in five minutes, I can have it ingrained in your head in the way that you think of the Statue of Liberty by just repeating it over and over and keeping it simple enough. So once you've taken it into your mind or your respective tribe or audience has taken it in their mind, that monolithic thing ceases to be a block and now is an icon of the mind. So all a block is is, some, is an iconic thing waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. So that's interesting. So, so and, and, and I know for a lot of our, our listeners that are listening now, this might be new to them. You know, not but some, maybe not. And that's why I love that. I've been waiting for you to be on the show since, God, we were talking about it before the show started. That It's been a year <laughs> since we, we were having this conversation. And it's you're like, a man of your word, Christopher. You're, Christopher, you're a man of your word. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, talk about, you know, there are a lot of people out there, right, that, you know, there that are, you know, want to start businesses. Maybe perhaps they have to adapt in a different way because, you know, with what's going on with COVID, they can't compete the way they were doing because they're, you know, so they have to adapt in different ways. What are some of the things that you could suggest 
and you know, and we'll be able to get into more of this later too, even in the second half of the show, uh, the second segment of the show, uh, what they can do, you know, because I think there's a lot of uncertainty right now going on and with all the noise out there. And like you said, so, so many people throwing stuff out there. People don't know, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean you have to think of it like this, you know, as we, we all rely on this micro communication to survive, you know, we rely on text messages and emails, all this kind of small forms of communication. There's an incredible book out there called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains by Nicholas Carr that was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. And he talks about, uh, you know, and this is from 10 years ago. I think it came out in 2012. And, and basically, he's a journalist, a high-level journalist. He's hanging out with all of his journalist buddies. I'm not sure if he writes for the Washington Post or Wall Street Journal, one of these papers. And uh, he noticed that he and all of his journalist buddies weren't reading anymore. So he got very interested in this and he started researching it. And he found out that all of this microcommunication has actually shortened our attention span. We have a hard time reading books. I believe we have that. a hard time. I mean, I'll be watching seven shows at once between Netflix, HBO, and, and Prime. You know, like I have a hard time getting through a show now, you know, and I'm a, and I'm a writer, right? Um, so, you, you know, one of the examples I give in the book that I, I think that you, this is your customers, right? You have to, this is, Mercy, why monolithic communication works and is so important is the only thing they can receive. Say uh, I threw a golf ball at you right now, Christopher, right? You know, you would, what would you do if I threw a golf ball at you? Well, if I'm looking, I'd probably try to catch it. <laughs> exactly, right? So what if I threw 10,000 golf balls at you all at once? What would you uh, do? I guess I'm in trouble because I'm going to be you, doing this. I'm gonna yeah, you're going to turn, you're going to cower, you're going to go into the fetal position, right? That is the that is the communicate that is the world in which you're trying to talk to your audience. Yeah. Okay. So and you know I'm a fan of Gary V and you have Gary people like Gary V out there and you know he came up with a particular you know he capitalized on social media very early and one of the things that he'll tell you is just put out 80 pieces of content a day and that was probably true in 2012 or at the beginning of the Instagram or the or you know he was always an early adopter on social. It's less true today. What you need to do, you, you should put out volumes of repetitive content, but it has to have a monolithic singular message or it will not cut. That's the difference. And that's where some of, where some of these things that were true five years ago are not true today. Can you speak to that? Because I think this is powerful because we have a lot of people that listen that, you know, either have, you know, are in marketing or they're, they're trying to position their brands and sell their, you know, with their businesses what you just said, because that's so important, because they might be too not niched enough. They're, okay. they're kind of all over. Well, core to, yeah, core to a block or core to my communication is this concept of a warning label or a road sign. And I, and I talk about how I go beyond business. I talk about how this works in music. I talk about how this works in art. And maybe, you know, I don't know when you want me to, you should let me tell you how a block works from medium to medium because it might help people wrap no, absolutely. their, their head around it. We're, we're very diverse in terms of interest, so it's not just business specific. So feel free, whatever is going to illustrate. Okay, listen, in a world overloaded with content, people are searching for an oasis. The only oasis that they'll glom onto is something monolithic that they can understand before they have a chance to think. Okay, how that works in business, and I'll give a very specific business story before the end of the podcast that will make it so that you can't fail in, des in designing this for yourself. Okay, but how that works in business is there's always an intersect point between the best thing that you have to offer, the thing that is the most important that you could bring to the market 
because uh, people do business, people create business to solve problems. So there's always an intersect point by the greatest power, superpower that you have in, in solving whatever problem you're solving in the world and the emotional concern of the person you're trying to reach. They're, they're, like what most people do is they, they work their tail off creating a business that has 25 solutions and they try to tell people all 25 solutions at once. People see nothing. You have to choose one, right? So how do you choose one? Well, out of that 25, where's the intersect point between the best thing that you have to offer and the emotional concern of your client? There, there's always an intersect point. You, what you do is you find that intersect point and then you blow it up. When you see people kind of trying to come up with a tagline, um, tagline is a desperate attempt to create a block and it comes across as a block. Sometimes people go, yeah, a block is a tagline. Like they, they get confused. And I say, no, I mean, I give this example in the book of like the most horrible, desperate taglines for the last 50 years, you know, wholesome hostess, right? Coke adds life. I'm not trying to call Coke out, right? Lehman yeah. Brothers, no family left behind. Okay. Yeah. That is not, that is not a block. A block is something like what uh, FedEx came up with in the 1970s, before fax machines, before email. They had uh, a statement that they put everywhere that was when it absolutely, positively has to be there overnight. Now, that's not a slogan. That's a statement of results. Simon Sinek talks about people buy your why. That's, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. I'm a fan of Gary Vee, so I'm not trying to call these guys out. But it's, it's not true that people just buy your why. They buy your why, the problem you solve, or the result you achieve. And so if you look at 1970s Western world, if you had a mortgage that had to be there the next day signed for you to secure a house, an inheritance, an insurance claim, that concept of when it absolutely has to be there overnight, that's not a slogan. That's a gut punch. Mm -hmm. So that's what a block is. is it, it speaks to, it magnetizes emotionally. But So then I teach you in the book how to blow it up. There's in, an, in a Sesame Street way, there's, there's brain science that shows that the part of our brain that lights up is several times larger when we're looking at visual imagery compared to complex imagery. So you have to say it in an overly large way. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And, I, and, and we, I'd love to expand it because we got about a minute and a half, just about a minute actually that we have. So I wanted to see if you could summarize in less than a minute what we just talked about. And I want to, when we come back after the break, I want to elaborate that because there's something okay, so there. When we come back after the break, I'll give detailed explanation of this. But basically what I'm saying is this, and this is why you should hang on till after the break, <laughs> uh, is everything that George Orwell said in his dystopian nightmare 1984 is true. But, where, what or, but what Orwell is saying is that oversized repetitive communication was inherently nefarious or inherently bad. It's not. It's just the way that all human beings prefer to take in communication. Nobody wants to see something complicated, complicated unless it's connected to a monolith. And I will walk you through music, science, art, um, and visual design, architecture, and how a block works and all those mediums uh, in the next segment. Beautiful. Beautiful. Again, we're here with uh, Jamie Mustard again. We're talking about the art and science of standing out. We got more to come here. And this is a quality information i would not leave here and again those that are just joining us you can check us out also you can listen to the show on demand later today here at the voice american influencers channel and at our facebook page at sustainable success 2017 we'll be right back after the break 
what is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now... Back to sustainable success. Well, welcome back here. We are having an incredible conversation here with Jamie Mustard again on the art and science of standing out. And again, this is something that any of you that are in business, whether it's your own business, looking to start a business, whether if you work for a company, and it doesn't matter if you are into the arts, to the sciences. It does not matter. This is some some critical information that you want to sit down and listen to. And if you're just joining us again, you can listen to uh, this show in its entirety later today here on demand here at the Voice American Influencers Channel. And, of course, all the various ways you can access podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and so on. So, Jamie, we had left off. We were giving some really some golden nuggets and some examples of uh, this process so I just wanted to kind of segue into, you know, a little bit more and, you know, giving us some more kind of like examples of how this applies over different types of areas that can illustrate the point. To Okay, so why don't, why don't I do this? I'll walk us through music. I'll walk us through art and visual design. Yeah. Then I'll walk us through social change. And then I'll land on a very specific, powerful business story that I think is very appropriate and reminiscent of our times from a hundred years ago. Let's, okay? let's go with it. I love okay, it. Okay. So again, a block, what I teach in my book, the primal laws of blocks, which is basically an icon, a monolithic thing that you repeat, um, uh, that uh, explains why we pay attention to everything and ignore other things. Okay. So let's talk about how a block works in music. Okay. The only reason we pay attention to music uh, is because it uses these primal laws. So a, a, in music, a block is a monolithic, repetitive, a monolithic nursery rhyme uh, type melody repeated, repeated dominantly over a more complex arrangement. So uh, it's why in music we call it the hook, because it grabs you by the throat and it doesn't give you a choice, right? So when you're listening to uh, Michael Jackson and it's mama say mama sa mama kusa mama say mama sa mama kusa. Uh, 
it's that is what pulls you into the song. You know, 300 years earlier, um, when Beethoven's Ode to Joy, da, 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 um, it's pulling you in for the exact same reason. So any sort of monolithic simplicity that we can in instantly understand in our lizard brain uh, over a more complex arrangement is what pulls us into any song or music. It is the, again, it's the reason we call it the hook. So blocks work in every single medium. Uh, in visual art, uh, which would also apply to vi all visual design, including architecture, but I'll give a, a painter example, right? If you were to go up to the average person on the street anywhere in the Western world, um, and, uh, and you were to ask them, you know, to show them an art, you know, what artists they know, right? The probably the artist that we understand the most as a collective in Western society would be Andy Warhol and Vincent Van Gogh. That's because they use blocks in nearly all their major works. There's people that you, they wouldn't know Picasso, but they'll know Andy Warhol and they'll uh, know Vincent Van Gogh because they use this concept of oversized monolithic repetition more than uh, more and better than any of their uh, uh, contemporaries or, or other artists, right? So if you look at, let's take the example of Warhol, right? Every painting is something you can understand. It takes up the entirety of the canvas. It works the way a road sign or a warning label works. You can understand it in your lizard brain before you have a chance to think. You know, uh, a soup can, a Marilyn, a Mowhead, a cow. Like you understand it in your lizard brain. And then you look for the technique, okay? Um, and a, another example of that would be Van Gogh, a sunflower, a pair of boots, a cafe, a bedroom, a tree. Everything, a bowl, everything is oversized and, and, and taking up the entire canvas and instantly understandable before you have a chance to think. Uh, Gauguin's contemporary and one-time roommate, I mean, Gauguin Van Gogh's contemporary and one-time roommate Gauguin, uh, who I like even more, also used incredibly vibrant color, but his images tended to be more uh, busy and would take you a second to go, okay, what's going on there, right? And I would argue that the reason that Warhol and Van Gogh live in our collective consciousness um, in a way that Gauguin doesn't is because of the instant understandability, the instant recognizability before you have a chance to think. This applies to everything. Can I tell you how it applies to speech? It applies to peace and it applies to war. Can I give you an example? Yes, please do. Okay. So, you know, um, in well, it was just Martin Luther King Day, right? And the most, you know, it's interesting. I went to school overseas and you could say that the most famous human speech in human history would definitely be, uh, I have a dream. Okay. And which was what? 1968, 64, 64. It might be, okay. that might be. I normally have it at the top of my head, but I'm, I don't you know, either, but I thought it was yeah. 64, but it could be later. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, that is the most, what, you know, what people in China know that speech. Okay. And if you, and again, the reason we remember that speech, the reason that's the most successful speech in human history, okay, is because he used monolithic blocks. So in speech, a block is a repetitive emotional phrase that's uh, that you say over and over and over again. And it's what is the reason you remember more com the complex, the complexity and full emotion of the speech. So these blocks do more than motivate people and more than get people to pay attention. They actually help us retain information. There's actually, there's been academic studies that show that when we connect 
um, complexity to a, a lot to monolithic imagery we actually enjoy learning more we retain learning more the problem is that as we get above elementary uh, school we stop communicating to each other in elementary Sesame Street type ways and I would argue that adults crave this elementary elementary communication even more than children do especially in a world overloaded with content so dr. King's speech is relatively short um, it is uh, uh, I'd say it's a little over 1600 words and he repeats the words, I have a dream and let freedom rang approximately 88 times combined. And the only reason that speech lives within us the way that it does um, is because of the repetitive block. Mandela gave a lot of speeches, but he didn't use blocks and we're all worse off for it. It's the only reason that the thing that causes us to, that magnetizes attention and causes us uh, and it, and it, and it, it, it pervades into us. 23 years earlier, so June 4th, 1944, Winston Churchill went on the BBC in London to galvanize British resolve to, um, you know, survive the war, continue the war. British people had been bombed. They were tired. They were beaten up. And he gave what is what is now known as this, this is the second most famous speech of the 20th century, which is now known as the We Shall Fight speech. And that this was his closer. And it wasn't called that when he gave it, but now it's known as that. And which he repeated the phrase, we shall fight over and over. We shall fight in the beaches. We shall fight in the landing grounds. We shall fight in the streets. We shall never surrender. We shall fight, right? Um, that speech, so that speech is known for bringing the British people together in a combined collective resolve to um, to continue out and 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 win the war against the Nazis. That's that single moment is considered and credited with that, right? So these blocks can do more than just sell your products and 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 uh, and, and grab attention. They can motivate people to do incredible things. Oh, absolutely. You illustrated some great points there and, and how powerful and how, and, and would you consider this that when people are listening, is it, is it subconscious as well than as conscious when people are hearing those blocks? It, 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 yeah. I mean, the, yeah, you know, it's uncomfortable. People say they want to be seen, but when you tell, when I tell them they have to be oversized and repetitive, I mean, have your block take up two thirds of the top of your website. When I tell them that they have to do that, they then all of a sudden you feel naked. It's like, I'm a public speaker. I, I do that partly for a living. I say I want to do it. I say I like it. I say I, it's part of my career. But every single time I do a talk, before I walk up on that stage, I have a tremendous amount of anxiety. And, and I'm always saying to myself, did I ask to do this? Why am I <laughs> wanting to do this right now? So a lot of us think that we want to be known. But when we repeat with monoliths that actually correlate to the emotional concerns of our targeted audience, it can actually make us very uncomfortable. And, uh, but you have to push past that and do it anyway. If we have time, I'd like to give... I think what is a powerful business example from the book. Yeah, please do. We, we have, we have about a good seven minutes to the okay. break. So, we so got I good. think that this story will take a few minutes and then we can just, no, I, I want to make sure that I leave with a business takeaway since this is a, I, uh, a business show, right? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so a hundred years ago um, in 1932, there was a guy named Ted Houston. And this is in the middle of the, the deep into the heart of the Great Depression, 1932. 
not quite 100 years ago. So a, a person going through a tremendous time uh, that many would consider even worse or greater of a struggle to be seen and heard and be successful than now, okay? This is the Great Depression, which w ravaged the world and ravaged our nation. And, and I would argue in a way, even the death hole was, tr was tremendous, okay? So not a very good world to be doing, trying to start a business in. This guy, Ted Houston, he finished pharmacy school, and this guy had three goals in life. He wanted to open a pharmacy, raise a family, and uh, go, to, go, go to mass. He was a practicing Catholic. These are all, these are the only three things he cared about. Now, in 1930s, in 1930s dollars, he inherited $3,000, which was a lot of money back then. He took all the money, and he invested it in a pharmacy in a small town in Wall, North Dakota. Mm. Okay. North Dakota. <laughs> yeah. And um, with population 367. Uh, and this is the middle of the depression. He quickly realized that maybe he'd made a mistake and that he had risked, uh, that he had, he'd made a mistake, made the wrong investment and was panicking about what was happening to his life. No one, absolutely no one in this town of 367 people um, was coming in to his, his business. And um, uh, he was pretty distraught. One day, his, one day his wife had an idea, you know, the, the te the, his wife, Dorothy. The Houstons had one thing going for them. There was a major interstate that, uh, is, it, is Wall in North Dakota or South Dakota? I could have it wrong. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, it, I know. Okay. If there's North anybody Dakota's out there that says I have the wrong Dakota, then don't blame me. Uh, 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 if we it's, have any yeah. listeners in North Dakota, they'll yeah. let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's either, yeah. Uh, but, okay. So, so the, um, they had Route 16A that drove right by the town of 367 people, okay? One day, uh, Dorothy said to Ted, what is it these people driving by in their weathered jalopies? This is before uh, air conditioning was the way that it is. Need more than anything. It's 1930s. It's dusty. Okay. Um, we didn't have AC like we do now. Uh, she said, and Dorothy said, free ice water. So they got this, they concocted this plan to make this massive billboard that said, uh, massive on the side of the road, Route 16A, free ice water, wall drug, right before the town exit. And they go out to the interstate and they erect this sign. Before they could even get back to um, the pharmacy, it was mobbed and has been mobbed every single day for the last 90 plus years. Now it's a, it's a massive collection of buildings and restaurants. It's a landmark in the state. It's a national landmark. One could say it was the first viral campaign that existed in the world during World War II. Allied forces would have signs saying, this is our distance to wall drug. People have taken in the 50s, you know, there's pictures of people taking wall drug signs to the Great Wall of China, the Taj Mahal, right? So what is your free ice water blown up uncomfortably overly large repeated? Um, that will be an oasis for you. Remember the people that you're trying to communicate to have choice fatigue. So if you are the one that communicates far uncomfortably overly large and repetitively with what they care about emotionally, you instantly have credibility. You become the first and only choice every time. Mm. 
That is some powerful stuff. I hope people that are listening live are taking notes. Again, this is something that, uh, you know, Jamie is an, a, an expert in this area. That, uh, there has been a lot of research and a lot of thought put into this, what he is sharing. So this is some. And I teach, I teach classes too. I guest lecture at Parsons, Pratt, um, um, uh, marketing students at Holt University. I'm, t- I'm guest lecturing in a, in a, in a neuroscience class uh, wow. in a couple of weeks at, at, uh, at Holt International Business School. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I'm, uh, this is my passion uh, because there's actually a lot of psychological, you know, again, I really care about people and, um, you know, work is more than money. It's our, you know, when I first started beta testing this, it was for small business owners, you know, companies anywhere between a million and 20 million. And I would see people's faces change when they would get their block and they would see the attention come in even before we would deploy it. And I realized, you know, that this is more than just your business. It's your passion. It's your kid's college. It's your, it's your mortgage. It's your, it's your mortgage. It's, it's, it's your, in America, we don't ask people at a party, um, who are you? What are you passionate about? We say, what do you do? So uh, I'm, there's a social aspect of this that's very personal and important to me. Hmm. Well, this is great. I mean, this, you, you have just given some real, I mean, We've, I mean, this information that you're giving is just like really game-changing information uh, across so many different areas, not just business. And and uh, we got to go to break here in about a minute. But if, again, if you can summarize some of that, some of the stuff that you did here for the listeners, that would be golden. Okay, people are tired of being overloaded with content and, and anything that someone can't understand in their lizard brain before they have a chance to think it's instantly discarded. Um, if you speak in that overly sized Sesame Street type way, one, two, you know, the count, and it, it corresponds to the emotional concern of the person of that target tribe you're reaching. All you need is a tribe to have a successful business like Seth Godin talks about, right? Uh, but if you speak to them in an oversized way that speaks to their needs in a repetitive way, you'll have instant credibility to you uh, and, they'll, and they'll call you. And also anybody that cannot afford my book can always reach out to me on my website. I, this is, I live this. I, 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 you know, I don't know how much time we have. Well, we got about 30 seconds right now. To okay. Look People should know that I grew up in severe poverty uh, in and around downtown Los Angeles. I couldn't have been more invisible as a child. So it's ironic that I teach visibility for some of the most successful people in the world today. But that, so um, I'm, I'm also a client of my own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to leave on this on the next segment towards the end where people are going to be able to know where to get in contact with you. Okay, you got people it. To contact you. With that being said, we got to go to break everyone. We got more to come. We still got more uh Incredible information coming from Jamie here again, the art and science of standing out. And we'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses 
Manage the effect, but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back. We are here with Jamie Mustard with the Art and Science of Standing Out. And our show today is being brought to you today by our sponsor, Alumni Direct. Again, this is an organization uh, that was designed to bring people together to rekindle relationships from their past, form new relationships with people from their alumni, and ways that you can not only find a job, maybe maybe a new business partner, but again, sharing memories and new experiences. You can find out more about my alumni direct at myalumnidirect.com. That's myalumnidirect.com. So Jimmy, we, you have just given us a wealth of information on this process of, of standing out and you've clearly illustrated this through so many different ways. There are a lot of people that have a voice out there, whether if it's a voice, uh, individual, uh, a, a business, and, you know, what would be some of the, you know, the, the, from the social side of, of, you know, getting that voice out there, uh, if you could cover that with the, with the audience here. And those well, guys- you know, I, I really like the name of this show in the sense of, uh, you know, sustainable success, right? Because I believe that success can neither be achieved nor sustained in a way that would satisfy anyone unless they use monolithic repetition, this thing called blocks. Once that block is taken into the mind of the audience you're trying to reach, uh, it becomes an icon of, of the mind. You know, there's a great example of, you know, a, an example of a company of this is the Honest Company, which, you know, started off in 2012. I think they did $10 million in sales by 2017. That was three or three to $400 million in sales with one monolithic simple concept, you know, using a non-toxic product on a baby, right? They didn't spread it out. They didn't do 85 other things. One simple concept. When you're a parent, you care what goes on a child. It has, it has an emotional, it invades you emotionally, what you're going to put on your child, right? No matter what problem you solve, there's something that's invading your target audience emotionally, right? Where does that intersect, again, with the best of you? Blow it up, okay? There's an example I give in the book of, you know, this dilution problem. It affects everything, uh, I give this example in the book of online job boards, where if you ask people, what, how many people do you think get a job off of an online job board like Monster? What percentage of people do you think? Uh, I would say it's probably not high unless it's maybe a lower end, maybe maybe job, maybe possibly. But give me a percentage. Throw it out. I don't know, but 10, 15%. <laughs> okay, good. Most people think around 20 to 20, 30%. Okay. The reality is per million hires... Um, 1% of people get a job on these big online job boards per million hires. Okay. So, but 29% of people think it's possible. 
So what's happening to that 28% mentally, putting themselves through that? Anyone with a business is experiencing that mm. with information overload, right? Um, and this is my passion. As I said, you know, I grew up, I couldn't have been more invisible. So maybe, you know, and I Houdini'd myself out of situations uh, into living the life that I have now. So I don't think I was thinking about it much at the time, but I think I've reverse engineered uh, these laws based on uh, my own desperation. <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the things that I, I think a lot about is, you know, it's like, again, this comes down to your meaning, right? I mean, I, I want to make, you know, we have this term we use in America called net worth. Well, really, it's not your net worth. It's your net assets, right? Your worth is the thing that drives you. Your worth is the thing that matters to you in the world. That may be your business. It may be the only thing that drives you, makes you love your business, that it pays for your family. But that's your net worth, is the thing that actually gives you meaning, that actually drives you. And when people can't amplify it, when people can't get attention for that, uh, it really does weigh on them uh, uh, emotionally. And that's why I try to make myself, I mean, I get people reach out to me all the time on my website, people that have read my book, people that have heard me on a show. And um, I respond to everybody because I really do care that people have a voice. Mm, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. And I believe that, you know, everybody deserves to have a voice. We all have a story. We all have a message. You know, it, we're never going to be everything for everyone, but we're always going to be something for someone, in this case, more than one person. And I think that people have to understand that. And, and a lot of the things that you had shared today here about how to really connect with, you know, that audience is so imperative because like it you is said, lost, but go it ahead. Is, it is because it, dry, it, it, pays, it makes your business, it affects your bottom line. And it also affects you. You know, the American psychologist, Maslow, most people know this concept of the hierarchy of needs, right? Do you know the concept, the triangle, the hierarchy of yeah. needs, right? That as we get above like, you know, basic food and shelter, then uh, the human beings become obsessed with this thing called self-actualization. With like becoming the, their full potential, becoming who they fully are. I've talked to CEOs of successful billion dollar companies that feel like they're getting so much drag on their market share compared to how much they deliver that it literally gives them angst. So it's the starting entrepreneurs feeling this, successful people are feeling this. They're not, they're not actualizing in the way that they feel that what they've created should, right? So you really do need to get the engagement of others. Uh, people need to engage with you in a deeper way if you want to actualize and transcend fully into who you are and if you want your business to actualize the way you want it to. Um, it's a mental pressure that people feel no matter what level of the game, whether they're starting out or they're far, further along, and blocks uh, these repetitive monoliths enable you to do that uh, with deliberation and at will rather than hope, luck, chance, or years. Yeah. So it's very, it's a very strategic, I would say that, you know, again, there's got to be some strategy, especially if it, you know, it's, you're doing this with, from a, with a branding uh, uh, campaign type of thing. What, what, what would you say, like when, when you're trying to reach multiple people and, and maybe it depends on what, what type of business you are, is it fair to say that it's best to be doing that by leveraging 
things that play to your strengths, whether if that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always start with the website. I mean, it's a great yeah. question. Can I give a metaphor that I think is a really good? Yeah, how much, please do. How much time, we, time do we have? Do you have a couple of minutes? Oh, we got time. We have about, uh, we, yeah, we have six. Uh, no, we have uh, five minutes. Okay. One of the ex- examples uh, that I like to give is that, you know, the world is kind of broken up into all you need is a tribe of a thousand people, 500 people. I mean, how many customers do you need to have a to start and run a successful business, and then you can expand it from there. You only need the engagement, uh, you need the deep engagement of a few people. The problem, uh, the commodity, the uh, uh, the scarcest commodity of our time is is grabbing attention and engagement. There was an incredible documentary on Netflix uh, that came out that everybody was talking about called The Social Dilemma, where they really talked about um, this competition for limited attention. And most of the people that are listening right now know that if they could grab that limited attention every time and get that deeper engagement, that they that their business would be not only successful, sustainable, no matter the size. <clears throat> so what I like people to do is like, I like people to imagine that this is a metaphor I like to use. Imagine you're on a, a massive highway with thousands of lanes, okay? And you're trying to get that drive, one of the, those drivers to pull off at your exit. Well, some of those drivers want to go where you want to want to go to you. Some of those drivers are going someplace else doing other things, right? If you want the business from that highway, like the wall drug example, you have to find out where that intersect point is between, again, the problem you solve and that emotional concern of the client, where that goes, one monolithic thing, and blow it up into a massive exit sign on this super information highway. And the people that are looking for you, if you blow it up big enough, and you get that intersect point sharp enough, they will get off at your exit every time in volume and engage with you deeply. So that, that is, uh, you know, a very good kind of metaphor way that I kind of like, I want to get a, a way I would like people to look at it. Mm, that's great. It's so powerful. And so, I mean, it's so funny that you say that today because I had a, a, a woman I was talking to today that, was changing her website and this was something that you know that she had to change because there was maybe she needed she was looking for more engagement and more connection and this was just what you're sharing today is just spot on with that and and so you say start with the website and then kind of branch out from there yeah i mean i i, I compare a website to like uh if it was 1950s connecticut small town again i like to use those uh, metaphors. <laughs> uh you know i like to think of a website as like say you you you, you know you're running a restaurant it's your shingle I walk up to the restaurant, I look at the menu, I maybe open the door and I smell it, right? You know, you have that moment and I decide if I'm going to go in or not, right? The website is that modern day equivalent of that. It's your, it's your shingle and everything kind of uh, branches out from there. But when you look at the concept of modern day sales funnels, all they're trying to do, it's a complicated version of what I'm telling you to do, right? It's a, we're trying to find a way to grab attention and to pull someone along into a very narrow path so they'll actually take the time to engage with us. Um, I'm telling you, it is like a, a magnet, even without a funnel. If you just have that repetitive statement that, that your audience, audience cares about and you, and you say it massive, it's attractive. Wow. And if you notice, I'm repeating myself over and over again, right? Oh, I, I, yeah. I, well, I want to itch in your head. <laughs> well, that's the yeah. same thing. And I do that quite a bit too because people will say, God, you've said that several times. I said, there's a reason why. Yeah. I'm doing yeah. 
it, it's a subconscious thing we're trying to get in there. No, that's yeah. well. Yeah. No, this is some great information, uh, you know, Jimmy. I mean, it's so powerful, and I can't wait for even myself to start listening. Me listen to it in its entirety later today when we have the edited version of the show. You know, we got we're heading towards the towards the end of the show here, and I wanted to see if you had any you know remaining things that you would like to share briefly for about you know thirty seconds to a minute. And then also to let the audience know where they can contact you, where they can get their hands on the iconist and the art of science of, of standing out and anything else that you'd like to provide the, the listeners. Okay. Um, well, you know, again, you know, back to, you know, I kind of hinted a little bit at my story. I grew up in poverty in and around downtown Los Angeles. I was a, I'm a kid of mixed race. So I was, I was a brown kid that would have faded into the drought, you know, of 1980s Los Angeles. Uh, I was, uh, I'm a, I, I struggled with literacy until I was older in life and then graduated from this kind of, you know, fancy school. So this, you know, I have a deep lived experience of what it means to like, to feel like you have something really powerful inside yourself that you want to share with the world and struggling to express it or get people to pay attention to it. So again, I deeply care about what this means for people. Uh, and, um, you know, I would strongly encourage you, if you can't afford my book, uh, which is available everywhere from Barnes and Noble to Amazon to, you know, you can walk in and get it at your local bookstore, um, that reach out to me on my website and talk, and talk to me, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, the, I'm uh, available at theiconist.org. Uh, you can Google my name. You can Google the name of my book, The Iconist. It comes right up. Uh, yeah, what else? answer your questions oh you're answering yeah 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 uh, yeah, um, yeah um uh yeah the 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 main thing is that uh you know that you recognize in life what, what your problems are you know I, I remember having a business in london with this kid and i he said what's your biggest strength and i said i'm a problem solver and he said i think it's better to be a, a problem finder and i thought in that that was such an interesting comment and it's, it's affected the way that I've seen the world, even though it was uh, so many years ago, because what's the problem? The problem more than ever is getting that attention, getting those eyeballs, convincing people to engage with you in a deep way. That is the problem. The first thing you need to do is identify that for yourself as the problem. Wow. Some powerful information. Again, we, we want to thank you, Jamie, for being here with us. I mean, just powerful information Everyone, again, we encourage you to listen to this show in its entirety. Again, there is a lot of great information here. So if there's something that you missed that we encourage you to uh, check this out, again, reach out to Jamie. Reach out to the website that he provided. We are also going to be providing that information again in the show notes uh, tomorrow when you can download and listen to the show again. We encourage you to share this show with other people that may have not known about it, that can get a wealth of information that you could be helping them not only in their business, but also in their personal life as well. So, Jamie, again, thank you so much for taking time of your busy morning here to be with us here at Sustainable Success. We, we greatly appreciate your, your time and your presence here, and more importantly, your wisdom. Thank, for, you, uh, thank you for having me, and uh, I loved, I really enjoyed the conversation and talking to you. Thank you. You got it. Thank you so much. And we want to thank you guests for being here each and every week. Uh, 
making sustainable success the show that it is today. Again, it's about you, and we will continue to bring in people like Jamie to provide cutting-edge information that can help you scale your business and your personal life to the next level. We'll be back next Thursday. So join us here again here at the Voice America Influencers Channel here at 12 noon East Coast time, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We hope everyone enjoys the rest of their day and have a great rest of your week. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.